0: Hi, everybody. Um, I am coming on with a somber note because um, my cousin Joanna, who I was very close with, passed away and I'm devastated. Um, the episode that you're about to hear is uh, pre-recorded. so. I didn't know about this news until afterwards. I, (sighs) There are no words to describe the pain and the devastation that I feel. She was amazing. She was my favorite person, my favorite cousin, honestly. (laughs) Not to shame anybody else. Um, But she understood me. We were like kindred spirits. We just had the same uh, mindset, personality traits. We were very similar, and we just got each other. Our humor, our mannerisms, like I, I admired her. And she is just a pure exemplar of someone who is compassionate, Someone who has uh, an open, giving heart. She's non judgmental. I could talk to her about anything and she was just genuine. And I can't, um, I know I'm not the only one who's had this amazing friendship, relationship, familial relationship with her. Has so many other people could have very similar um, expressions of who Joanna was. She was an avid supporter of my podcast, always uh, followed up with me with whatever shit I said on here and um, was just always there, always there, and I could always count on her. And, uh, very unbelievable, you know. When you have these moments of uh, just death, right? Um, you know, I think typically people would say you're reminded of mortality. Death is expected. Death is promised. You know, tomorrow's not promised. Um, whatever else that you may have set for your life, right? The plans for the future, it's not promise, right? We could plan for the future and thankfully god willing we get to accomplish those goals right but with death that is a, a fact you will we will all have our time and i guess this just was her time there are moments when and of course i'm crying every other every half hour right just in disbelief in pure sadness And then there are moments when I'm so grateful, you know, I'm so grateful to have had her in my life. You know, we weren't distant, like we were close, close cousins. We grew up together. So I knew her my whole 29 years of living. You know, I knew her uh, all of my life. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for all of the Beyonce concerts that we went to. And the ones that we went to together, the ones that we went to separately and that we talked about together. Um, I'm so grateful for the the jokes that we shared and the the shit that we'll talk (laughs) with each other. Uh, Yeah, I miss her. I will always miss her and I will always love her. And I know she was the main person telling me, when are you going to get some merch? (laughs) when are you gonna get some merch so I know um I, I I can't stop this podcast I have to continue working on this podcast and developing it more and more and it's definitely in honor of my cousin Joanna so you know I I think um you know, with the happy moments, all of the mo- all of the moments I've had with Joanna, those moments have been keeping me smiling in this time of grief. And it's really, it's really giving me the strength that I need to even give this pre, um, to give this recording. So, you know, typically when people talk about death. The last words are to remind each other and ourselves to love on each other, to let go of grudges, to be kind, and to, and ultimately what I want to add to that is to not live in fear, but to just live, you know? we give ourselves excuses and we say we can't do this because it's too scary. We can't go after that dream because it's 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 too far reaching. Whatever the excuse that we give ourselves to not really live our life the way that we want to, it's really hurting us. Because like I said, death is promised. We cannot uh We cannot determine when we die. We cannot determine how we die. We can't determine that at all. But we can determine death is promised. And what I just want to leave this with is motivation for everyone and for myself to really go after your dreams. Really um, love freely, courageously, to be you courageously, to... um, just be fearlessly, you know, be free, be fearless, and to live. So with that being said, I'm just going to end this part here, you know, and then to Joanna, my cousin, I love you so much. I miss you. I will always miss you. And I will always love you. I hope you can still listen to my podcast (laughs) and tell me what you think. Um, But yeah, so I'll end it here. Go ahead and listen to the upcoming episode that's coming up literally right after this recording. Thank you and God bless. Hey everybody! Welcome back to another episode of God Built This podcast. I'm your host Maxine, and we're on episode 74 today. I am rejoined with Bolden. Bolden is backy oh. back back black, and <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot. To sh- we got a lot of shit to say. Um, but first and foremost, for everyone listening, for all inquiring minds. What we must know is, are you quarantining with the bay? me. I'm talking to you, Bolden, <laughs> you on the spot. This is a time when people who said, I'm done with that nigga, I'm done with that girl, she's toxic, and when you are all, all up under her, or him, <laughs> my ladies and whomever, but yes.
1: <laughs> I am using this time to collectively try and grow myself while I'm by myself and I'm going to give that as my best non-answer to your specific question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay so you got someone ain't in the room no, right? Ain't
1: nobody got no COVID base in Austin. Come on now.
0: <laughs> so you have no one coming in late at night trying to see if you up?
1: Well you know we <laughs> have some <the> casual visitors <laughs> <laughs> The playback of this podcast is going to get me in trouble. I'm
0: going to go ahead and start. Okay, okay, okay. I don't want to get you in trouble. You know, just kind of, you know, icebreaker. It's already
1: over with now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I got to break the ice a little. So, Mm -hmm. as my listeners know, I love talking about politics. This is one of my things. And I want to start us off with the fact that Bernie is out, and my heart is crushed. Like, I am, you know how they they say this Bernie bros? I'm a Bernie sis, a Bernie aunt, a a Bernie mama, a Bernie Bernie grandma. I'm Bernie down, (laughs) okay? And I'm down because he was the, the I ain't got time for this shit no more type of voice. He was the revolutionist, the sound, the anger, the fur that we that I needed to hear and feel, you know, that spoke to what this world was going through and not being PC. I'm tired of the PC shit. And the fact that he's now suspended his campaign because things just wasn't looking right number-wise. Biden was getting more of the light. And it seems like he, well, he is the now Democratic presidential nominee. Um, what are we, how do you feel about this?
1: All right, so I am uh, for our viewing audience. I'm a Texas-born and raised, uh, born in Fort, well, born in Houston, uh, Southwest Houston, from Fort Bend County, Land area. Went to school at Texas A&M. Live in Austin. Work in construction now. So you have to have all that background to kind of understand uh, politically where I come down. I consider myself a pretty blue dog. I'm not going to say conservative Democrat, but we'll just use blue dog Democrat. Um, I don't vote straight tickets. So you will see me voting on both sides of the aisle. I understand the business community and their position, which is generally fairly Republican. That's where I got a lot of that from Texas A&M and then working in construction. It might as well be like working in politics uh, with all of the issues. Um, So for me, when we talk about Bernie Sanders, I'm actually not a... Major Bernie movement fan, because I'm a party kind of person generally. Um, so, it, you know, first off, with Bernie Sanders, you talk about the last five years of politics, and really we just talk about the sausage making of politics. Bernie Sanders has been one of the driving forces of the Democratic Party establishment movement, conversation, policy, et cetera that has moved the entire party from one place to another. And what he has done, I was telling somebody earlier today, is generationally gonna be felt. And folks who supported him really need to be able to step back and see the things that he's done in this five years, really in 40 years of public life. So I really feel like it's an underinvestment to have supported him but all of us now, having through lived four years with Brother Orange Peel in the office, we need to find a way to get behind Biden, who I is an imperfect character. In terms of you know, democratic politics, he's not my favorite politician. Um, he's in what I can tell is the later stages of life, we're gonna have to treat him like Reagan. I don't think he ends up serving more than four years as it is anyway. So a lot of this conversation about politics today is really about 2024. 2020 politics is going to be a bit of a crapshoot. We got a whole list of agenda things, a whole list of you know really wonky conversations about how we're going to vote through this pandemic. Uh, that mess that just happened in Wisconsin is a whole um, litmus test of things that are going to happen everywhere else. And if you go and pull up legislation and/or court cases that are being filed as a result of what happened in Wisconsin. That's really where we need to set our charge to make sure we have plenty of folks who have access to voting. But to answer your question, I really respect what Bernie has done in 40 years of public life in the last five years, running four elections. But what I need us as a Democratic coalition of people to do is sort of put our within one big tent party partisan differences aside because what we can't have is another four years of Trump. And I sound like somebody's Advertisement that you hear all the time, but I feel like until we move past Trump, we really only have to deal with a hundred days of Biden, and then we're back into the election cycle for 2024 as it is anyway. So I'll shut up. That's and a good
0: way. That's very. That's a good way to look at it because I forgot that Biden did say initially that his goal is to just get in there for four years. He yeah. didn't and really sound. Those, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's one of those well-kept or let, let's say not well-kept secrets around the Biden campaign. You can go and talk to folks in and throughout the Texas Democratic Party, the DNC, et cetera. It's one of those things that's not being talked about. But just watch this BP discussion and who ends up being his vice president. That is going to squarely tell you that this is about 2024. And I'm telling you, we need to get our stuff together. 2020 is one conversation. But for 2024, the Republicans end up putting Nikki Haley on the ticket. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say all bets are off, but she's a contender. She is politically one of the few people in the Republican party who could change the trajectory of what people feel, particularly people of color, feel about the Republican party. And then you put, um, I think, probably a short list of probably about 10 people on Republican politics. There's an attorney general in Kentucky who was actually just hand-picked by uh, Moscow Mitch to be the attorney general. He's young, he's African-American, he's 33. You put those two folks on a ticket, now you have a conversation that's much different in 2024 as they go through the election cycle about people of color and a party that looks like a smoke-filled room while I'm smoking a cigar that is going to look much different and they're going to be able to build a much different coalition. Nikki Haley was the one person that got out of the Trump administration sort of unscathed. And she was the one governor of South Carolina who actually did something and has a, a, a record on social justice issues and social issues that actually, again, changes the conversation. So uh, I hear us as you know, folks who are upset, I call it the Bernie crats, who are upset that Bernie is leaving. He's moved the party and done more from the Senate than a president could have done in two terms. Take that as a win, but realize we got winning to do, one in 2020, but really in 2024, uh, and when we talk about courts and the court cases, court battles, the setting of judges, just go back and look at what Mitch McConnell is doing with the court system right now. He's already telling folks, as soon as we reopen the government, we're getting back to putting judges on. If something happens to Ruth Bader Ginsburg before the election, he's told y'all he's going to put somebody on the Supreme Court in spite of, this is the argument, that to not let Obama put somebody on in a similar time frame with Judge Garland. So here we go, or Justice Garland, I should say. But anyway. Real deep political conversations. This is my favorite topic.
0: Oh, good to know, because we got more. Um, <laughs> <so> <laughs> there is um, an apparent vaccine that is seeming to hit the hit the world soon. We don't know when though, but there's conversation around the vaccination to, you know, fight against COVID nineteen, and there has been some reports. That this vaccine may be tested in some countries in Africa or other, um, or some countries in India. And I first, are you because some people you know feel different about vaccinations? You know, some there are anti vaxxers out there who believe it is a way for the government to, you know, poison us, to control us, to feed us with the virus and eventually kill us later on, you know, naturally because of the vaccine. And there are some people who are for it, you know, if you're going to have your child in the midst of other children, your child needs to be vaccinated in order for he he or she to not, you know, pass the virus or whatever else. Um, This COVID-19 vaccine, though, I'm wondering because there seems to not be some clarity on whether it's guaranteed to fight against it. But sure. this may be our only our only answer, you know, our sure. only hope to really move forward in life and not be quarantined forever. Vaccination may be the way to go.
1: Sure, the, um, you know, I'm a, I grew up getting all the vaccinations. I get through shots on a yearly basis, so for me personally, uh, there is enough research where I am comfortable that that's the right decision for me. Everybody is going to make, and I think we talked about this in our last conversation, I don't think it's too much different here. Everybody's gonna make personal choices for themselves that make the most that make the most sense for them and their given family. That's what's important here. Um, I'm gonna encourage folks from the culture, the African-American diaspora, given the numbers that we've seen and that will continue to come out with the underlying health conditions that we generally have as a people, obesity, hypertension, uh, diabetes, uh, diabetes leads to kidney issues. I mean, these are things that are in my immediate family line. Uh, when we were talking about uh, my folks last time and then in my extended family, I've got one extended family member that I actually never met uh, my dad's cousin, Junior, passed in New Jersey uh, a week and a half ago. Uh, so I, I never met him, didn't have a personal relationship with him. But what that brought home for me was, and then as these numbers continue to talk about how this is disproportionately impacting the African-American community, I'm going to encourage us uh, to do our research um, as a body, uh, to press and ask the hard questions about you know the substantive data that supports once they get a vaccine. But if the data makes sense and we check that box, I'm gonna suggest that we as a community go be the first folks in line to go protect ourselves. We know that some of the underlying socioeconomic and economic issues that comport with why we have so many health challenges are a part of the discussion. I feel like we need to take that ball and march it all the way up the hill. Here's an opportunity in a crisis moment for that conversation uh, to be continued. We talk about politics, we talk about policy making, et cetera. There are plenty of folks well positioned and around what would be a Biden administration to help move this ball forward. But it's not just a federal thing, it's the local thing. I mean, it's down to your city politicians, your municipal um, uh, governments, your state uh, governments, et cetera. Take that to them. But I'm going to encourage us as an African-American group body of folks, if the data makes sense, go get that damn vaccination so that we don't have to deal with this we got enough shit to deal with
0: you have like there's cases in there's many cases in michigan Mm -hmm. of the black community being heavily targeted for the coronavirus and now the the conversation seems to be moving towards well covid19 seems to be targeting more of the black community than any other community especially any other community of color and i think the question is not even the question i think the the, the statement is, that's the reason because of before the coronavirus, you know, you have many Black people who had underlying med- medical conditions, who weren't able to get access to health care, who weren't able to um, get the proper education around food, around nutrition, about healthy eating. And so that it all contributes to them being high risk. Uh, you know, people for COVID-19. and just so happens to be that now, because of those underlying medical conditions, they are targeted by COVID-19. It doesn't mean that this virus is biased towards Black people. It doesn't mean that, you know, white people or Hispanic people shouldn't worry, only Black. Like, I feel like now there seems to be people who are um, more concerned with the fact that oh, black people are more at target. And the problem with that is there is just a lack of access, education, opportunity for black people to thrive um, within their own bodies. And so we're fighting against our own bodies. We're fighting against what we thought were was healthy living right but now we're realizing oh well we have high cholesterol we have diabetes we have all these things and now you want me to trust the government to vaccinate me now i'm for vaccination I'm for um, doing whatever it takes, but I'm hoping that this will be done all around, right? Like, I don't want, like, the first hundred people to who gets vaccinated happen to be African Americans, and, okay, well, we're good, and now the white people, or, you know what I mean? Like, I, maybe I'm thinking too much, but I just fear that we're not equalizing this as much as we can because of history.
1: Yeah. And really, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head talking about the, the, the financial pieces, the, the, the social way that we operate, the way we grew up on grandmother's cooking uh, that's traditionally not as healthy, especially as you get older. I know a ton of folks that are our age that don't eat anything like our parents or like our grandparents did. Um, one, just in terms of a community of folks trying to be fit, one. But two, just trying to be healthier, but three, because we have access to more information that suggests that, oh, wait a minute, um, that bacon uh, three, times, uh, day, meat, uh, three times a day or meat, animal proteins three times a day and, you know, things that are high in um, all of the bad things that we eat. I mean, I'm a product of that. I'm a, a big guy. I like to eat. I'm as country as an $8 bag of coins. That's a reference that you guys will catch uh, when you listen to this the second time, but even through just watching all of this, I've said, you know what, wait a minute. I got, I don't have any of those underlying conditions today, but hereditary wise, I've got all of those things in the bloodline. So I've got to do something different. And if nothing that this COVID thing has done is allowed enough quiet time to reflect and to start taking some action with, you know, how you're eating, cooking more at the house, which is something I used to do when I was in college, financial position then as you get further financially, that becomes a priority or less of a priority. Uh, getting up and running, when I first got into college, I ran a couple of marathons or half marathons. Hadn't done one of those in five years, so I had to put that back on the goal list and say, we need to get that back together. But that, as a product of watching this disproportionately affect us, and to your point, we don't need to be the first hundred people there. Like anything, as we reopen the government or as we reopen uh, the economy in general, we need to be careful as they then uh, distribute the vaccine. When I say, go and do your research, go and make sure that we have checked the boxes, go and also push and make sure that we're asking for um, more resources, more attention, more discussion within our own diaspora about how we treat ourselves, how we take care of ourselves. All of that is kind of a holistic you know, two-step approach to how we take what is a tragedy. I think we're over uh, 100,000 deaths now uh, for COVID. I think the US is now the leading country for deaths. and We're not even done. These next two weeks are supposed to be some of the higher death tolls, so that's only going to continue. The things that are happening down in New Orleans, we talked about what's going on in Michigan, the things that are happening in the south side of Chicago, the things that are happening um, where black and brown folks live up in New York City. these are things that we as a generation of folks, uh, one of my frat brothers, Lee Merritt, who's actually a big Bernie Sanders supporter, shout out to him, says all the time, this is on us. We're asking for folks with a hand to help, but we've got to have an action plan and we've got to have a discussion amongst ourselves, a community that says that guys, we can do better. We know better collectively. We know that parts of our community don't have access to the same information as those of us who have been fortunate it's on us to go do something about that, to go be a part of it, to go be a voice to it, to go lead on those issues.
0: Absolutely. Be the change you want to see. Um, mm-hmm. I love that messaging. I want us to get into some ratchet shit. You ready? <laughs>
1: <laughs> real intellectual so far. So now we're about to get to the mud. Here we go
0: gotta get some balance some balance so uh, i came across this foolish ass statement that i don't know if this is one of your niggas okay i don't know if you co-signed with this as a black man but waka Flocka recently said that cheating oh, on his wife yes we getting into it bolded waka-flocka waka-flocka claims cheating on his wife tammy rivera made her better now this there's a plethora of reasons why i am so against this statement but let's start with the mere fact that what i believe that with this statement what it does is it's problematic it removes the accountability and it removes the just the remorse that the person the man in this in this case in particular should feel for betraying and violating the trust of his woman right now yeah. instead of having that accountability he's now thinking about it in and rationalizing rationalizing it he's saying like well hey if if i wouldn't cheated you wouldn't have cooked more in this house right you know, if I wouldn't cheated, you wouldn't have known to, you know, suck my dick more. And yeah, we're your <laughs> dick now, okay? so. And because of my cheating, you're you're giving these blowjobs. You're making me hit it more than once a week. And you're a better wife, right? So wouldn't you say you're a better wife? Wouldn't you say we're happier now? And I just, this is some nigga shit. And I could never see you, Bowden, doing something like that because you are a respectable black gentleman, okay? I don't describe you as a nigga, but this is <laughs> some nigga shit.
1: <laughs> so interestingly enough, let's take this in a couple of parts. Have you seen that, uh, uh, that uh, bingo board of uh, toxic men traits? No. Woo, oh, I got to send you that because actually I had to sit down for that one. So I consider myself just like you described as you know uh, pretty upstanding, pretty respectable. You know, raised by a culture of strong black women, uh, and certainly appreciative of women. Um, and I've got a, you know, a real series of thoughts, but that's through a life experience. And then that doesn't mean that I haven't had some of those boyisms and some of those uh that we'll call as well that got me to this 33rd trip around the sun now. Uh, that I just celebrated it now is the problem. Happy
0: birthday.
1: Hey, thank you. Thank you. You've been blessed. But this mess here with Waka Waka, and actually going back to that toxic bingo thing, uh, when I sent it to you, I never had bingo across the table, but I certainly had more boxes to check that would suggest, I think I had 60% of the things I needed to check that were on that box. Uh, that can suggest that at one point in my life I had some toxic traits. There are a couple of women, and I I had to think about this, probably two, that at the sight of me might be throwing knives, pies, or have some words to say, or maybe pointing to their homegirls and say, you know what, that nigga ain't shit. I've had those moments. But this one right here with uh, (sighs) Brother Waka Flame, uh, Waka Flocka Flame, the community of black men that don't cheat, um, this is why we have a whole supposition and a whole message because this shit here is nonsense. You had to cheat to get your relationship with that person to a point. To me, that suggests you were missing uh, a whole sundry of communication pieces. Did you make your woman feel seen? Did you suggest and or... Describe the things that it is that you wanted. What did your actions lead to what you got from your partner? There is so many things to unpack. We could make a whole show out of why this is just flat fucked up. So I'm just going to end it with, look, what he said is wrong. If you feel like you need to cheat on somebody to get the best out of them, then you really need to turn around and look at yourself. Cheating really has nothing to do with the other person. It has to do with your insecurity, period. And it stops and ends right here you want more from a relationship with somebody, then your job as a man is to lead it in that direction. If you're unwilling to lead it in the direction that it needs to go, then what you're suggesting is you got boyisms and you're waiting for your woman to turn around and lead. And so though she may have the product uh, of that cheating situation, decided she's going to lean in and do something differently or some things have changed within y'all's relationship, that's her leading on that. That's not him, period. Why does that? Can't denounce it with heavier language than that. He can do better. Uh, I would hope he could do better. Don't know that he does better, but I would hope that he could do better. Because what's gonna stop him from cheating now? Now that things are better, what's gonna stop him the next time? Is it the respect for his woman? No, because if you respected her, you wouldn't have done it the first time. Yeah, about to start preaching, standing and shit, anyway.
0: Boom, I'm gonna call you Dr. Bolden, because what you just prescribed to these niggas. a ten day two pill prescription on how to own your shit. Okay? <laughs> That's what you did. And you just got you got all the MDs, the PhDs, all of them behind your name because this is mm-hmm. this is what I and need for I,
1: I don't have anything but thirty-three years um some situations where I've had to do some internal reflection. Um, and you don't get to 33 years and what's that principally 12, 13 years of dating without having to turn around and look at the, really what I came to the conclusion, um, for myself that anything that didn't work in some of these other situations is probably exactly what needed to happen. But from those situations, I could also look back and say, Hmm, I didn't do X. I didn't do Y and all of that's not my fault. It takes two people to tango. It takes two people to dance takes two people to manifest a relationship that grows. But as a man, you gotta be really intentional in how you lead conversations, how you deal and manage with conflict, how you take notes about the folks that it is that you're dating and understanding it, understanding them, understanding uh, that, you know, part of being non-passive aggressive is to see folks, meet them where they are, and then the court them to show them an experience that gives them confidence for where your relationship can go and grow. <sighs> just step back and let's think about that for one more time. Gives How you lead a situation, write this down folks, how you lead a situation as a man gives a woman confidence for where things are and where things can and would be. No woman decides to be with any man just because he wears nice hats. He has a nice job. None of that shit matters. What she is marrying, once she makes that decision, or once you make that decision about one another, is in this season of life, I appreciate this person, but in the next season of life, I think that that person is somebody that I can be with, and it's substantive, and it's something that we can grow and meet each other in each one of these next seasons of life.
0: So not only are you Dr. Bolden, you are pastor, reverend, uh, I priest. I don't need my spirit. <laughs> like, yes. Where can I time you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Funny story. My grandmother, if you let my grandmother tell it, uh, she's in Florida doing well through all the COVID business. But it's the most praying grand- grandmother you ever saw. You let her tell it, she would tell you I was going to end up preaching at some point. And I keep telling her, look, I don't need that on my conscience. I don't need it. And I actually have a best friend from college who actually is a pastor who grew up in the church. That's what a pastor is supposed to be. I got way too many skeletons in the closet to be preaching to anybody. I can guarantee you that. I just got some of the cadence things. So that's a longer conversation. But anyway.
0: Well, but walk, what you could well, what you could also, you know, maybe explore is maybe some motivational speaking, maybe some, like, I'm sure, you I feel like you're, you're the voice amongst your male friends. I'm sure you have other male friends who are well-spoken and um, well-accounted for as well, but I feel like you may be one of those well-voiced male friends amongst your group who speak life unto your friends, you know? who well,
1: speak- I'm, God, I'm God. certainly probably one of the only ones that Single at this point. But also, you know, you're an average of the five people you spend the most time with, and you go and select the kind of folks that end up being your friends. You know, I've got a friend circle of black men that are in committed relationships uh, where there are you no know, marital infidelity issues, and they are very intentional about stating that, making sure that their woman understands and appreciates that, and then leading their family dynamics in that way. You know, here in Austin, I got a line brother who just had uh, a baby, as a matter of fact, probably two, two and a half weeks ago. Gianna was born. And man, when I tell you, we as a group, <laughs> we used to be the troublemaker to when we showed up because we had whatever your flavor was. You like them tall and light-skinned, we got that. You like them tall and brown skin? you like that. You like the dancing in front of your line types like yours true. We had that. We had the conversational folks we had the naked cues, we had all of that.
0: Well, I'm gonna uh, need about two numbers by the end of the conversation, thank you. Um, <laughs>
1: <sorry>. <laughs> What's funny though is uh, it's only two of us, I came on a line of four, only two of us are still singing, uh, but the other two are in long-term relationships. This line brother that just had a baby, I think is a really good example of just one of those close friends that was in one space when we were in college and is now in this space for fatherhood. I haven't even got to meet his daughter yet, and he lives 10 minutes from me, but that's because the COVID business is going on. So the best decision for his family that I support is that, look, they got kind of a closed house situation. They're gonna manage through the COVID. Two months after all of this passed, hey, everybody come and see the baby. But to watch him, as a matter of fact, as a man, lead his family and be prepared to tell somebody like me, and I've known him for, what, 10, 12 years now, to tell me, hey, bro, you can't come by. I told him I was gonna come wash my truck at his house just because all the car washes are closed and all like that, driving dirty vehicles. He said, yeah, you can use whatever's outside, but you can't come in the house. I was like, dog, I was not even come in the house. He said, yeah, I was just making sure you understood it. And some people could take that as, well, what you mean I can't come in the house? No, what's going on? What's the best decision for that man to make for his family, man? That's what this whole thing is about. I got, hell, probably 10, you know, male friends that have these wonderful relationships with their wives and are doing date nights during this quarantine business with their wives and are spending time with them. So this is a community of folks that we can all lean on one another and see and give each other some gas, because I tell them all, boy, y'all are washed. Look at y'all, washed, but happy and washed
0: see and that's and that's the messaging that's the example that i should see on the shade room obviously it's not going to be that way but the problem with what Waka Flocka said is that there's a lot of women who are not confident in who they are who don't have high self esteem who don't love themselves who came from broken homes and who would accept this bullshit ass reasoning by their husband who would say the same thing as Waka Flocka did like, like hey you know me cheating on you did it make you a better wife though and that's where my heart breaks for this because I think about those women I think about those women who don't have a voice yet and who are feeling trapped in a marriage in a relationship thinking that well you know we we got through it we had our ups and downs and this made our marriage better and there's so many examples of that within like religious uh, marriages home like faith-based marriages, you know, whether it's their, their pastor husband, maybe their deacon husband, or just maybe just a church goer. And they feel like, well, I'm just going to have to put up with whatever bullshit my husband decides to bring into our marriage. And I've always been vocal about, no, like, no, do I really, I'm not married to the idea of, staying with someone despite any and everything that they do to break your mental sanity. I do believe in the whole, I I do respect the vows that's taken, you know, when you get married, you know, through thick and thin. I do believe that. And I'm not saying that once you cheat I'm done I do believe in working it out but I have a problem when it's impulsively when it's compulsive when it's just straight up disrespect when you don't respect me as a human being never mind your wife that's secondary just has a a damn woman has a person and you don't respect me as such and now I'm supposed to just put up with it oh because we made a vow to God well God sees you're cheating
1: yeah God sees you had a baby on me uh, our vow to God, and actually, my uh, my uh, pastor, best friend, uh, said that you know how he knew his wife was the one. And I'm paraphrasing here. He said it like 15. Well, got married in 2012, so what's that eight years ago? Um, but what he said then was his faith in God was that God brought him a woman and entrusted him enough to lead that woman which means that he respected her secondarily, but his respect for God, his faith in God, is what then gave him the strength to continue to move in a direction that was as he deemed right and necessary. So unpack some of those parts. Your relationship with somebody, especially once you take the vow of marriage, really is nothing to do with that person. Yeah, it's about that person and these feelings, and we're making this commitment to one another, but our commitment actually is not necessarily bonded to the person that you're going to walk through life with. It's bonded to God who brought you that person, who's entrusted you with that person. And women, this is the same when we talk about the you know the Bible has passages about you know what it is uh, you know to, to to be a wife and to be uh, submissive to a point, but in uh, in being submissive, there's a certain amount of strength uh, in that partnership. That's a whole nother sermon, and discussion. But if our commitment is based to our relationship with God and aligned in our relationship with God, that is something higher than just this person. So then you talk about respect. What he was willing to do when we're talking about Waka Flocka here was disrespect his commitment with God, his relationship with God, that then impacted the person that he was entrusted with in the terms of their relationship to leave. So it really had nothing to do with him and that person or him and his uh, spouse, partner, et cetera, because you know, it, it crosses all lines. Because he had that lack of respect, it really had nothing to do with her. It had everything to do with his relationship with God. And that's where I'm saying, when you make that kind of decision, and let's just think about, let's be funny here for a moment. When you decide to cheat, you made 15 decisions about how you're gonna go cheap. You selected a person, you bought them a drink, you went through a series of conversations. If you were with a partner, you then had to arrange a time for y'all to do that. We all have clothes on when we show up in a situation. Clothes had to come off, you had to kiss that person in the mouth, you had to get some shit started, you had to pull your pants off and hopefully put a condom on when you decided to have sex with that outside partner. All of those decisions you had to make, at any point you could have said, oh shit, I'm doing too much. When you bought that first drink, you could have said, oh, I'm doing too much. When you took that number, you could have said, oh, I'm doing too much. When you told your partner, hey, I'm gonna be over here with the boys, which you knew exactly what you were gonna go do with that person, you could have made that decision and said, no. Even if you felt like this is what I need to do, I need to free myself, because there are women actually who have the same discussion. Uh, about cheating on their partners. This is not specific to just men. Women do the same thing and are actually better at executing it than men, generally speaking. I'm just saying. But if you're going to make those decisions, particularly once you taken an oath of marriage, and I'm not saying you need to cheat leading up to marriage, because actually, if you can't get that right before marriage just because you put a ring on somebody or you take an oath, that's not going to fix it because obviously you have some other shit going on. But anyway, we won't even get into that. Brother was wrong. He fucked that up. Women, don't think that you need to cheat or that your partner needs to cheat for your relationship to get to the next phase. That doesn't need to be what closes your relationship down. But realize if your partner made that decision and you decide to stay, there's some other shit going
0: on. And that's a very good point that you made about the whole there's 15 other decisions that you made before you go ahead and stick it in because I think about the inappropriate nature that happens when you're in a workspace okay you spend more time with your coworkers with your colleagues you know mm-hmm. than you do with your partner with your romantic partner and Okay. That's the, yes. Work wife. Oh, he's my work husband. She's my work wife. It's no big deal with just friends. You know, cut that shit out. Okay. <laughs> cut. Uh, who, who's your work wife? I'm your work wife, your home wife, your, your street wife. Nigga, what other wife you need? I'm it. Okay. I had someone in my life who was saying, oh yeah, I'm fine, you know, this is my work husband, he's no big deal. And I had to check her like, girl, you know damn well, if your boyfriend said he had a work wife, you would not be okay with it. And she was trying to play it off. And here's the thing, like, I think there's a lack of honesty that we have with ourselves. You know, what do we know about ourselves is just, okay, I'm tempted. You know, what's that line of temptation? Because just because you're with somebody or you're married to somebody doesn't mean you don't have eyes for, like, doesn't mean you don't have Attract like that's just part of nature. You will naturally be attracted to other people. You will naturally see and recognize a beautiful woman, a beautiful man, and you know, a handsome man. And that's I get that I can't control that. That's your eyes, whatever, but it's the action set forth, it's the thoughts, it's the lack of control, and it's a lack of honesty that people have with themselves. And this goes for men and women. Like women yeah. are cheaters too. Not everyone, of course, but like I'm not specifically targeting men here, but I I think there is something that is universal here is that there's just a lack of honesty. You know, we're not honest with ourselves. We think, oh, it's just playful. It's flirt, it's flirt, you know, flirtatious or whatever. It's, you know, um, it's not a big deal, but no, you got to t- talk to yourself and be like, Hey, you know, I actually do the kind of like this person and let me stop. I'm, I'm with this man, you know, I'm, I'm in this marriage.
1: Yeah, and if you're not even, you know, let's talk about folks who are dating and then decide to be in a relationship prior to marriage. If you find yourself in a space where you're with somebody and you feel these urges to go do other things and you feel like in the home of your relationship, you're not getting what you need and you feel like you've expressed those things and nothing changes, leave the relationship. We are so messed up for not or not being willing, let's say, say it that way, to leave well enough thinking that this is the end-all be-all when here's a preacher moment right here, there's likely something better for you on the other side if you'll just be willing to see what this is for what it is and move on. That move-on coefficient catches a lot of us, you know, in our youth, you know, you're gonna mess this up. You're listening and you're 20, you're gonna mess this up, all right? By the time you get to be 30, should you still be single and still be in a dating periphery, you need to have enough confidence in yourself to be able to say what it is that you want. And when you don't get those things and when you don't feel those things between the person that you think you're with in a relationship, just leave. Leave. There's the door. Leave. And I'm literally looking at my door over here. Leave. It's not that difficult. It's really not that difficult
0: it's not that difficult right here's the thing yeah it's not that difficult like in theory but It goes back to the conversation of lack of self-esteem, lack of confidence, absolutely. You know, feeling like there's no one else better. You know, this person, you know, he loves me. Yes, he cheats on me. Or yes, you know, we're missing something in our relationship, but you know what? He's what I have. And what if I don't have anything even similar to this? Even though what this is is toxic, even though what this is is not fulfilling to my spirit, I don't want to be left with anything other than this because this is all I know and if I if I'm left with anything less than this oh my what did I do I took this leap of faith for what if,
1: if you're willing to be risk adverse when you talk about what you want what you need what you want to contribute to a relationship with somebody then you're asking folks to, and to this is another conversation about self-confidence you're asking folks to be disrespectful to you in that lack of confidence and unwillingness to move on or to state what it is that we want, be firm in that conversation, and then hold folks to account or be appreciative when they start taking direction to change those pieces of your relationship. But if they don't change, just because the relationship goes on for 10 years, five years, three years, that doesn't mean it was ever going to change. And then if you think if you get to the destination of marriage, all you're setting yourself up for is an unfulfilled marriage. But We
0: sound like marriage counselors, what else we got? Yeah. So there uh, was a PSA video (laughs) uh, sent out by little baby's mother. And her message to many young women out there is to not have a baby, pretty much. A baby ruins a relationship and don't invite a baby into this relationship. And I'm not too familiar with what their relationship is about. I've heard that it's toxic, as many other young hip-hop relationship is. Um, but the statement of, you know, a baby messes up a relationship. I think about, like, how I remember being younger and seeing women around a few years older than me and hearing the rhetoric of, well, you know, a baby could either keep him or make him go. And a baby was weaponized. A baby was used as a weapon to make the man stay. Or if he doesn't stay, then he becomes a deadbeat and now you go through that whole process. But now hearing a woman say for herself, don't have this baby, it's gonna ruin a relationship. It, it takes away the whole image of women being this stereotypical, nurturing, comforting, I just wanna be a mother and that's it for the rest of my life. And it opens up conversation for, well, there are women out there who may not have dreamt to be a mother, right? Or who may have just fell into it and now they fell into it, they have this glorious baby, yes, it's a blessing. And we could also be honest here and recognize it's a lot of work, you know, being a mother. And it's a lot of work being a mother with a father who may not be present, who may not fill my love tank, who may not care about this baby and me. So, damn, he's not giving me even more attention that I have been wanting before this baby came around.
1: There are so many layers to this. I was actually, you know, when you first presented this uh, discussion topic, it really took me back for a couple of reasons. So I grew up in this, you know, very close-knit family. um, And it, hell, five years ago, it was a non-starter for me to meet a woman and then she said she didn't want kids. I was like, "Whoa, wait a minute, that's not for me. So I've evolved, as you move through life, we evolve, hopefully, learning, where I've got a broader perspective of what it really takes to rear a child or to, once you're in marriage, if you decide to have kids, to create a village and an environment that is conducive, uh, particularly for folks of color or folks that end up in uh, interracial relationships to raise, a child that is of two ethnicities or multiple ethnicities there's just man we there's a lot there so now uh, i've actually dated folks in you know in the last year this has come up a couple of times with women who say that they're not comfortable with the idea of having children um and again five years ago i'd have been done but now i'm sort of in a a spot of if you end up with somebody, or you decide, not end up, if you choose to be with somebody, and even as we're dating folks, if you've made the decision that you want to have children, let's start on that camp first. You need to date somebody that you can see partnering with to create that village that is conducive for raising children. So that's gonna change how you date somebody, somebody that pops bottles and is not you know, timely in how they do things, hasn't really thought through how they view the world, can't communicate to you, and communicate the operative word there, the things that are important to them that will then be important to the children that you guys will rear and raise. Well, you probably don't want to end up with and or having a baby with that person. When we date folks in our 20s and in our 30s and when we're living our best life or when we're having hot boy and hot girl summer, and then you end up pregnant with somebody, we weren't thinking about all of those parts and pieces when we decided uh, to jump in the sack and then, you know, well, shit, we slipped up and we had children. Now, she another position here is we as a culture, we as just, this isn't just a culture thing talking about black folks. We as a society have got to do more to support women who decide, you know what? That children thing, that's a beautiful thing, that is not for me. And let women be comfortable in making that decision and not let it be something that's stereotypical or something that we badger women with and don't give them confidence to be confident in that decision. So if you decide you don't want children, women, voice that to that person. Let them make an adult decision about that. And you may find men who, once they understand your position, because a man doesn't have to carry a child uh, for nine months. It doesn't have to change your body chemistry uh, to have a child for nine months. I don't care how you think of you know, partner relationships and you know, men and women uh, roles, gender roles, et cetera. I don't care what you thought that was. A woman is generally going to end up being the person who rears and raises and spends most of her time with that child. So if you're unwilling as a man to see and recognize that, then don't ask that woman that woman to have a child for you for the two of you. Long story, just to wrap it back around, uh, to make a long story short anyway, is so when I heard that, uh, you know, that clip that you sent, I don't think that children ruin relationships. I think children add pressure points to relationships that already have issues with people who aren't clear in their intentions from the beginning or who are unable to communicate at a level that's conducive for creating that village and that environment that's conducive to rearing and raising children. So I think that's all I heard from from her moreover uh, than anything else. But there's so many, you know, touch points of discussion that I feel like we have to have around the broader context people to just realize that that's a big ask to ask a woman to have a child. You know, if, if, if there's an ask and you guys didn't, you know, end up in some sort of one-night stand that happened one time, you end up with children and now we're reacting to it. If there was a discussion that led up to it, be thoughtful in that discussion. Realize that everybody was raised differently. Brian was raised in Land, Texas, in a real tight-knit family. So Brian appreciates and has a real fundamental experience about what a family is and through 33 years of living, Brian now has contact for what I'm asking for when I decide to partner with and be with a woman who wants to have children. And does that mean I won't marry somebody who doesn't want to have kids? I don't know. That's for God to call. I'll be real prayerful as we go through that discussion. But at the heart of me, I think I'd be a good father. But you don't get to call everything that happens in your life that's from someone else. Hopefully, we all see that. But... I don't, know. I don't know. There's just a lot there.
0: There's a lot there. And I also – I see that it's a bigger picture here. I, I look at it as a whole uh, – of this is another – example of a black relationship between a black man and a black woman and they were in a relationship and as soon as a baby got into the mix that relationship suddenly just ended it suddenly just disappeared he suddenly wasn't interested anymore and it just didn't work out and I see that in my personal life I see examples of that in my personal I can speak to an array of women in my life and I'm not gonna put that business out there, but y'all know who y'all are. And it's just like, what the fuck? Like, as soon as the baby was was Google Gaga, oh, it's not gonna work. Oh, I, I'm not interested anymore. Oh, um, suddenly all of these issues, just like you were saying, like this, dizzy there's, um, these pressure points that that's push that's, that's put on and there's no choice but to look at your partner and see them for who they are. Suddenly you couldn't see before. Suddenly we were blinded and now we see our mates and we're unfulfilled and we realize we're not happy and we want to go and we want to leave and, we see the black man, we see the black father leave, but we see the black woman, the black mother deciding this ain't working for me." Now, yeah. I-, I wish that there was a conversation prior to the baby, right? I wish that there would be honest conversations had with both participants who are co- who are consensually having raw sex with each other, right, to say, "Hey, how do you feel about babies Because this could happen if we're co- if we're continuing." You know, to in each other. Like, what are we doing?
1: Well, I would hope that as adults, we realize that that's a product, that could be a product, possible outcome of our actions, and that we have some theory and or substantive conversation with that person about however we would react to that. But that's not always practical. I get it but uh, I'm gonna talk to men here for a second specifically because my experience is not as a woman, so I have to come at this from the place of how I think men or I hope that men are thinking about this, okay? When you either choose to ask a woman to bear a child for you or you end up in a circumstance where you were both in action, meaning fucking, um, and not using protection, realizing that this is an outcome, you as a man need to realize that in that relationship, if it continues, and it's not always right for it to continue, but especially if you ask that woman and y'all were in a relationship and it continues, how you need to approach that is from a place of seeing that woman for who she is today in this season prior to children And realizing that that's going to look different in the next season. We talked about earlier, you know, how you love somebody, how you decide or a woman and a man chooses to be with somebody long term is not based on the kinetic energy of today. It's based on the potential energy of tomorrow. Hopefully it is. That's what I'm trying to get across to you is realize that as you make those decisions, hopefully you also see the kinetic energy of today that's got you jumping around and you know knocking boots, but it's also a potential energy that you see this person as somebody that you can grow with and or create that village, um, that environment that's conducive for raising children. So see all of that. That's what I need men to see. And then if you've asked her to bear a child and you know that circumstances will be different, go find that one Jamie Foxx song where he told her she still got it because she needs to hear that. Even if that's not one of her love languages and how she receives it, there is not one woman who bared a child and immediately following, bearing that child, raising that child, rearing that child, felt a moment of, I don't feel as sexy as I used to. Your job as a man, once you've chosen that woman and you chose her to bear and have your children, you also now got to create a little bit of fire in that relationship for her to see that you see her just as she was before, but only differently. She's now the mother of your children. She may have a little foot that she's working through uh, to get out of the way, but you need to tell her, you know what, I like that. And your actions need to say that. You need to be involved in your child's lives. You also need to engage your friends. You know, one of the things, going back to uh, my frat brother that lives 10 minutes from here that I told him, hey, look, as soon as I can see the baby, because I love babies, Love, love from Baby Whisperer. I told him I'm gonna take the baby and I'm gonna kick y'all out the house and I'm gonna send y'all on a date. I'll pay for it, I don't care. You need to have friends that are willing to recognize that we need to invest in y'all's relationship to allow you the space to tell your woman she's still got it. And if she's still got it, then show her she's still got it. You know what I'm saying? Put a little razzle dazzle on that thing. <laughs>
0: A little you know, sprinkle a little bit on that. You know what I'm Put saying? Put a little salt bay on that. Things out? <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely true. You have to affirm your woman. You have to affirm your partner. And speaking of affirmation, there is seeming to be affirmation needed for white people, particularly white, well, let's just say white white people, but there's this clip of this white man who is just so adamant about wanting to say the n word or justifying to say the n word. He, um, I-, I couldn't find out, or I just maybe just didn't do the research enough. But there, the black okay, so there's this clip I sent you of uh, this like panel discussion, and this black guy, he's a is he a football player? A former football no, player? No, he's, uh,
1: he's an actor, long-term actor. His name is me. you Are you talking about the ballhead head guy who's talking to the panel of white folks?
0: Yes, yes. Okay, so he is pretty much giving this white man the energy that he needs because this white man is uh, justifying, this white co-host, he is justifying the use of the n-word nigga right he's saying how well niggas use casually in songs you know in rap battles and in you know in music so why is it a one-way street why can't i casually say if you are casually saying it Why can't this be given on the other side as well? And this Black man, he is giving him the, well, hostily, he's giving him with the aggression. That is very valid. So, um, needed to tell him, say it, go ahead and say it, say that shit, please say it. And of course, he's not going to say it, right? He's sitting there like, uh, nigga, never Um, but... Why do you think that is? There seems to be just this upset. This is not new. This is not new. This is not 2020 energy. This is something I've seen throughout my years of recognizing how obsessed white people are with being black.
1: Okay, so
0: you bought another. <laughs> yeah,
1: we had to go ahead and pour another drink. Drinking
0: you, guys, you are inspiring me because I need, to. side note, I just need to, I don't have any liquor fast. I'm not like, I don't really drink like that until I'm out. Like I socially drink. So now oh I just want to like get like April spritz, you know, like make the cocktail. So cute. I'm not like, I don't need whiskey. Like I'm not like that, but, <laughs> but go ahead, go off. <laughs> and y'all saw that on my uh, Instagram last night. I got my money and I got my whiskey.
1: Anyway. But anyway, back to the the point of this discussion right here. The use of the N-word by folks who are not people of color, I appreciate the fact that it is a common norm now not to even touch that third rail, so just don't say it. And interestingly enough, you go back to everybody's a product of their environment, so I I use that as a baseline for a lot of context and discussion. And I grew up around just some really good people who were not people of color, who were really inviting, who were really intentional in how they interacted with a few uh, folks who were people of color who interacted with their children and made all of us just feel at home. You know, even as I think about, you know, when I want a family and the house that I want to raise a family in so that my kids can bring their family to the house is really kind of prescribed based on those experiences. And I can, without question, know that those families, and they know who they are as they hear this discussion, would just brussel at anyone who would use that language, whether inflammatory and intent or not, around folks that they consider their extended children, who they were a part of a village of raising. And then so, If you are somebody who is not a person of color using that language, you need to reevaluate. There's no reason for it, even if that's how people of color choose to diagnose, use, and normalize the term. It's just something that don't even fuck with. And most folks who I find in my life who are white, non-people of color, don't ever touch that third rail, then my experience is to expect that they understand there's a, there's a, a barrier we've placed around that word and that's okay and we're going to keep on moving and we can see each other as people, create opportunity, vibe, have drinks, uh, eat good, uh, be jovial, watch football, date uh, interracially and never use that one word. So in my mind, it's kind of a non-starter of the discussion. Don't ever use it. If you're not a person of color, respect that there are some idiosyncrasies in the use of it, and through your respect of understanding, there are 100, 200, 400 years of context in that discussion. That there's no need to use it, and let's just, you know, be be merry and go about our way. I think that's I think that's okay, and I think most folks who grew up with, and that's another thing that I think is really interesting that I see in my professional life, there are so many folks who don't have experiences with folks who look like you and I, Max, who don't know to use the word, but also didn't grow up around us to have the experience to draw from, or why not to use the word. So they're going to mess up. They're not going to be perfect. It's also implicit on us not to be that person that says a black person has to be the the, the speaker of all black folks within a given circle of people. Well, okay, if they didn't grow up around us and they don't know, then it is going to fall to one of us at one point, tell them that's not cool, that's not okay, and then watch their actions as a product of that discussion. And that's all that we can do. But if you are a white person or a person not of color who grew up around people of color, then you've got a job to tell the other folks who are not of color in your family dynamic and in your general prescription of people that you hang around, that's not cool. I grew up with Brian, and if he were here, I'd be telling you the same damn thing. Do it when I'm not there. Then do it when I'm there. It will be cool. I'll buy you drinks. I'll be at your wedding. I'll be dancing with your grandma. I right. That's how I feel
0: about it. <laughs> And I think there's this understanding amongst Black people to, you know, we'll we'll speak to to each other, and and it'll slip, we'll say it, whatever. Nigga, you crazy, you wild for that one, right? But we, somehow, we just know to watch our mouth when we're around, when we happen to be around our white colleague, and we realize, oh, he's, let's not, let's just say something else, you know? And,
1: think about this. When's the last time you went in Houston has these pockets, Austin has more of these pockets. And they're playing hip hop music, which is another underlying discussion here. Hip hop culture is not some sort of canned piece of, the, uh, of culture and the word, the N word that then follows most of hip hop culture is now not some canned discussion. It's mainstream culture. Uh, people who are soulful generally by nature or who appreciate hip hop music hear it all the time and then they feel like they've got a connection with it and then so when's the last time you went to a quote-unquote white folks club or gathering and you hear hip-hop music and what i like to do is just you know as the, i know the n-word is coming in the music i'm just watching people lip-syncing the music and i'm saying okay who decides to say the n-word or not and by and large most white folks will say something else when the n-word comes up in any given song but the ones who do say it i'm always curious of Hmm, would you do that if your black friends were here? Or do you have black friends to draw from who either told you don't do it or gave you uh, a form or an opportunity to discuss why you don't say it and then you're either disrespecting your relationship with that person or you don't know better so you don't do that. I'm always curious. But here in Austin, shit, it comes up all the time. Like every club I go to, they start playing hip-hop music. You can purvey a room of, you know, 100 white folks and I'm going to have... 70 white folks who don't say the n-word, but I got 30 white folks who say the n-word in those little, you know, musical inclinations, and then those are the folks that we're talking about here.
0: Right, and there's this, where's this level of comfort that you just have? to say, It's one thing to say it in the privacy of your closet, deep in your basement, behind the cellar, like, okay, I guess white boy, but to say it in a public space where there are obviously black people here in abundance to be like nigga what's my mother i that like
1: don't do it don't, don't do it.
0: please i'm telling you right now say it <laughs> okay don't do it don't that was it.
1: the energy that, that actor gave he gave it. he said well go ahead and say it he's thugged him into not saying it but it you know it, it comes back to uh, you know, one of the fundamental premises of folks, you know, do on to others uh, as you wish done on to them. And if you have an experience with folks of color and you know that's something that you don't do, then just don't do it. And then be willing, if you're not a person of color around other people who are not of color, to tell folks, hey, that's not cool. And this is why And it doesn't have to be some sort of long, drawn out 45 minute conversation and coming with Jesus. It can be a five-minute, hey, not cool because of these two reasons. Let's keep on moving. And those experiences give people, again, you know, the confidence to understand, mm, I messed up and I can do better. Again, once you know better, do better. The folks I have issues with are who know better, who are unwilling to do better. Those are the folks we got problems with. Those are the folks I can't fuck with you. I just can't.
0: Absolutely. Can't. And it's also it's not even just the n-word that white people are obsessed with it's just the black culture has a hold you know we see examples of that with um the kardashians right how they adopt many of our black you know culture our black hair our black men and our black skin you know suddenly their skin is darker and it's more it's not throughout it's not just the summertime it's throughout Like, wintertime, they're not pale anymore. And it's just, you know, there was this recent video or image that I saw of this young white rapper. Her name is Bad Baby, or Barbie. And Mm -hmm. she suddenly isn't this white, pale girl anymore with red, deep red hair. She has dark black hair. Her skin is now, like, a dark olive color. And it's like bitch can we i just i can't get an and it's one thing because you know people say flattery is is the best compliment right is you should be you i mean what was it flattery or was it
1: yeah flattery is the biggest compliment or yes flattery yes that's one of the words but yeah
0: Yep, it's the biggest compliment, and it's like, okay, I'm flattered that you are so enamored with my culture. I'm flattered that you find this beautiful, cool. Thank you. Um, but what the problem lies is when you go into like real life, right? Corporate spaces, work spaces, spaces that don't accept black beauty, that don't accept natural black hair, and yet you have a Kim Kardashian who flaunts wearing cornrows. Who calls it? I think she calls it boxer braids. So there was another term that she said that wasn't actually black correct, not politically correct, black correct. And yet she's praised and it's accepted. And it's on E News and it's like, wow, look at this new style. And yet black women have been wearing cornrows like since the dawn of time. Yet we can't go into work with that hairstyle. We can't go on an interview. Never mind an interview. Nigga, I would have to put my locks in a bun. Like, I don't know, make sure my edges are not tightly coiled. I have to kind of brush them in. And it's just this this reality check for black people to, to turn down their blackness, and now white people to kind of turn it up a notch.
1: <laughs> but this, uh, you know, I think it comes back to that, no better, do better. And then we also have to realize that in today's society, we actually have, you know, again, my personal experience, we have a fair amount of white folks who are raised knee deep in black culture. So then what's fair and what's reasonable for them who I don't identify as black because they're not, but were raised around that culture and play, you know, and, and it's something as simple as, they played sports, so they grew up playing football their whole life. so they grew up around a team that was 80% African-American, there was 20% white kids, so they're very comfortable around black folks. And then so they've adopted some of the cultural idiosyncrasies, the music, uh, the swagger, you got your Travis Kelseys out here that got as much swagger uh, as a white man that grew up in Ohio as most brothers who grew up in the hood. So how is he supposed to operate? Well, the way he operates is he's got one of the baddest sisters in the game who works for BET, was at the top of her game, and they found a relationship and they found love. So, you know, what, what's really right, what's what, well, let me back it up this way, what's good for the goose is good for the can. So I feel like as we then step back and realize that, again, hip-hop culture, black culture, that used to be kind of this can in our own region, in our own community thing, is no longer that mainstream culture so you're going to have people who though they cannot identify as people of color identify with the experience growing up around folks of color and are more comfortable in that space than they are around their own folks i think we also have to have room for the conversation to allow them to be authentic because most of those folks who are white who grew up around us we'll call it that Actually, do a pretty good job of understanding and diagnosing the things to stay away from in discussions that have you know specificity around folks of color, and recognizing that they are just white. It's okay, but when Travis Scott turns on, they know all of the lyrics and they leave the N word out of how they say things. And they're also the people in their white families who are telling their white families, hey. We're fucked up. Or I met this attorney. I met this woman uh, when I was in Vegas earlier in uh, March who uh, grew up in Austin. She's from Westlake, Austin. She's an attorney, went to Baylor, big-time construction lawyer attorney. And so I, that's how you know our original conversation uh, was. But we're going to lead a diversity effort here in Austin. And what really drew me to her, you no, know, not drew me to, I try to holler at her or nothing, but what drew me to the discussion with her was that she says, look, I'm raising two white boys. They are very white, blue eyes. One has blonde hair. One has brunette hair. And I need them to realize that they are folks of privilege. And then because they are folks of privilege, they have a responsibility that they know better to do better. And that's exactly what she said. She was unprompted. It was in the first five minutes or first 10 minutes of our discussion. And I was like, you know what? That's a white woman I can fuck with. But it comports with, again, a lot of the experience that I had. Growing up in Sugar Land, Texas, you had a lot of white folks who grew up around, some black folks, and were just good at understanding how to navigate what could be difficult, but it came very naturally for them. And I feel like us as a black culture, we've gotta be okay with folks who recognize the boundaries, stay within their boundaries, but are also frontline supporters of creating opportunities for our culture that are beyond what we can do for ourselves. I mean, I'm a product and I don't get to where I'm at in my career without really good mentors. And then as I got to my first company, our company president, his his college roommate, was one of my frat brothers. And then so the first time he met me, he wasn't the person that hired me, but the first person, uh, first time I met him, we sat down, we had a discussion, and he was like, he was looking at my resume and he hadn't seen it. Oh, then he said, wait a minute, you pledged Omega Psi Pi. I said, yeah. He said, you have no good dirty dog. I said, oh, shit. This discussion is to about to go left. But then as I got to know him, he grew up in Garland, Texas. He grew up playing football. He grew up around mostly black folks. So he's one of the most soulful white guys I know. But he is very white. I mean, he is a staunch Republican business community leader kind of person. But his ass is soulful his ass is awful, his ass can two-step, his ass got some loud, loud finger snaps, but he, you know, we we just talking about, you know, some trivial stuff in terms of, like, recognizing the culture, but he was very good, and what it said to him when he saw that on my resume, having the experience of a roommate who played, who was also chairman of the board of the, of the company that we were at, he knew that I was both capable, qualified, and able, given the opportunity, to do abundantly beyond what other folks would see. And he positioned me throughout the first nine years of my career with that company to get to where I'm at now. That doesn't happen without folks like that. So we gotta recognize real is real. Real is not dictated by just color. It's dictated by folks experience and thus their actions. And if they know better, they do better.
0: Absolutely, that's a really good point. Cause I think about um yeah you know there are so many white people who have you know grown up with black people in their lives and it's not like they were trying to be black they just it's embedded in them in a way like they just knew around them oh yes. my, my friend who just happens to be black right it's not like my black friend that's yeah, a very frankie beverly and they start
1: into an electric spot they yes they may not catch the downbeat they may catch the upbeat but they know what to do
0: <laughs> Hey, there's a slide. There's a slide. That's beautiful. <laughs> and there's a lot of black women who would say, like, if I would ever be with the black, with the white man, I would want to be with like a, a black white man, you know, like a, a white man who got some soul. That's, so.
1: why, that's why I use the Travis Kelsey example. I feel like he's a really good indicator for black women who say they don't date white men. And I'm like, okay, well, we're going to walk Travis Kelsey past y'all. The, 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 he's not a brother, but the brother is tall he's good looking, he's well dressed, he got some swagger about him. You telling me he walked by you and he, you know, give you, you know, the green eyes look, that you're not gonna be like, well, hey.
0: Okay, <laughs> and he got, got the, the fade? fade. Well, yeah. What man has a fade? Yeah.
1: he got the beard with the, you know, juices and berries,
0: shit, if I could grow a beard,
1: I would be a problem. A whole,
0: <laughs> a whole era, shoot, a whole era. Yeah. Not even a problem. That is... You know what, Bolden? I love having you on. Thank you so much. This was great. You're great. Oh. And I... just you average
1: person trying to make it through life, man. Try to learn stuff, trying to do something.
0: I know. I know. And, you know, during this time, I feel like, you know, a lot of people who may naturally have bouts of depression or anxiety, it may be hard. And I'm hoping there's some some feelings of relief, some feelings of calmness that people could explore and settle into and find their own joy. And I'm hoping the same for you.
1: Yeah. And then really, I hope everybody uses this kind of pause because it is a pause. You know, this isn't what life is going to be 10 years from now, 10 months from now. I hope everybody is using this time to reflect. You know, life is as busy as it's going to be. I'm a busy person by nature. But what I have found is you know, when I don't have to be on the road trying to get to this, trying to get to that, um, that there's enough time, you know, one, to take care of what home is, and everybody's home dynamics look different, but to also take care and self-reflect, diagnose, and begin to alter the course of things that you were doing, because we don't get this kind of time again. And it's a tragic moment for a lot of folks, and again, I said that earlier, My extended family's been touched by this pandemic. There are plenty of folks who will be touched by something like this. For those of us who it is not in an immediate family, an immediate situation that happens, I hope you take the time to reflect and appreciate what you have. You know, you got some folks who are quarantining with their wives, who have not spent as much time with their wives or their significant others, uh ever because the circumstance of you know having too busy lives and i hope that you are able to come back and see why it is that you chose that man or woman uh i know a lot of brothers on the single side who are collectively and i think we are all collectively saying that as a group of single uh sort of well-to-do brothers is like oh you know what i ain't been playing but i you know i kind of been uh, not putting both toes ten toes deep in the water You know what? When this shit is over with, I got one person I need to go get up in their face and make sure they understand where I'm coming from. I've heard that one at least 10 times over. So for the sisters listening, be ready for them brothers to come at your throat after they come out. It ain't going to just be to come at your throat just for some weekend hanging out. It's going to be like, look, I was sitting in there by myself. I was making all my own meals. I was doing all my own dishes,
0: and I realized,
1: you know what? This, This person right here, I didn't give them the full brunt of what I intended to tell them, so I'm going to tell them now. So sisters, be ready to react. Be, be, be ready to Be
0: ready react. to be in a committed relationship. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, but the summer is going to be crazy after this. So don't expect it immediately. We all going to have our little fun, especially if the, the shit opens up by June 1. Everybody going to have their little last hot summer. But by September, cupping season is not going to be just regular cupping season. It's going to oh, be-
0: It's about summer. to be a whole marriage.
1: What? Okay. Well, we're to gonna have this whole awesome. of after this as well. It's gonna be crazy It'll be
0: good. Okay, that is we're real. Be so beware. 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 All right. Well, you enjoy the rest of your day, and my life as well. Be safe. And as
1: always, thank you for the invitation. Thank you for what it is that you're doing. I hope. I hope. I hope. I hope that uh, you end up having a good time through this. I know a lot of teachers, and we talked about that before we got on, uh, who are differently able to sort of self-prioritize the things that they're doing and how they approach what it is that they're doing to kind of self-reflect about, you know, the communities that you guys are impacting. So I hope that you get the time uh, and the grace and the thought to be able to do those things if you're going to reposition yourself to do that. Remember, I called this last time I was here. You're going to be on the beach. As long as I get my ticket to be in the minimum of third or fourth row, I don't need to be in the first two, but third or fourth row to support that endeavor, that's what we're here for.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Bolden. Be great, you all. Continue to support this podcast by subscribing, uh, giving your five-star review and your commentary. I encourage it all. Thank you, you guys. Peace. And we're done. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of God Built This Podcast with your host, Maxine. Be sure to leave a review, give me five stars, and of course, subscribe. Also, follow God Built This Podcast on Instagram at God Built This Pod. God bless.